What's one way to know that mainstream crypto adoption is on the way? Not only does mainstream news report on it more frequently, but some filmmakers find it fascinating enough to begin documenting the industry. There's a number of blockchain-related documentaries now in the works, and today we welcome Shannon Grinnell to the show to discuss her project, The New Internet. 20 years from now, a public completely used to using crypto will be viewing these documentaries and saying, remember when they had printed money? And 10,000 years from now, future civilizations will unearth this episode and say there was no intelligent life on Earth. But we don't care. We're here for the cryptos and giggles. So welcome to episode number 274 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Hey, I, do you I, know? I, I'm offended, Mr. Jolcom. Why are you offended? Well, you said that there's no intelligent life form on this particular episode, and Shannon Grinnell is super smart. Oh, that is true. So, no offense to you, Shannon, but I was being self-deprecating and really talking more about Travis than me. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast. We're bad. Once you go bad, you never go back. There's no going back. You are forever impacted for the rest of your life so just you know go with it mm -hmm. it's not like you know you're going to develop a rash or anything you might well you, you might we're we're not medical advisors either so <laughs> you might need to go run down to walgreens and get a cream or something to you know counter that's this true. that's true podcast for the crypto curious and the crypto serious and the crypto furious although with bitcoin you know between eight and nine thousand dollars there's not too many furious people right now no, we're, we're pretty happy. I think that, you know, the the effects of the thaw are in full effect. Even as I look out here on the front range of Denver, I only see snow on the peaks. There's no more snow on the mm. front range. So I think that that is a metaphor that's for telling us that the crypto winter is over. At least I hope that that's true. I, I can't see it reversing. I just can't. Yeah, we're going to fun events, too. We're going to be at the Washington Elite Dot com event in Washington, D.C. in, I believe, the 21st and 22nd of June. So if you're going to be at D.C., um, make, make sure to reach out to us. I think we're going to be doing a live bad crypto there, right, Mr. Jolcom? Yep, we are. And then we're heading to San Francisco for Bitcoin 2019, and we'll be recording interviews at that event. You know, they've got Edward Snowden that is doing a keynote, and I've put in a request for an interview with him. It's probably not likely, but and also Jihan Wu uh, of Bitmain is going to be there. And, you know, you're always talking about the Jihan Wu's of the world having all, you know, the, the hash rate for mining. And it would be great to meet the actual Jihan Wu of the world. Yeah, yeah, it would be. Yeah. And I can say, why are you mining all the cryptos? <laughs> Jihan, back off. Ugh. Well, how about uh, we have a sponsor for the show, Mr. Travis Wright, Blue Share. Tell the good folks of the Republic of Bad Cryptopia all about them. Yeah, Blue Share Security Tokens, BST, they provide you exposure to a construction business with 23 years of proven track record and a pipeline of natural resources, mining, and exploration projects. So it's an interesting project. They claim to be the first uh, construction and mining company to offer its shares using the Ethereum blockchain smart contracts. And uh, so that's fascinating. And they have secured mining opera, uh, exploration uh, concessions with a forecasted worth of $4.3 billion U.S. dollars. 
with uh, gold, silver, copper, and ore. And they have $27 billion more in possible forthcoming expansion opportunities. And Blue Share, uh, they are the 300 million tokenized underlying equity capital participation shares of their Swiss-based Interprom Mining AG, uh, which which will give you both dividend rights and ownership titles. So there's 80 million Blue Shares are available right now that are going to be sold over the next, I guess, next two months because we are now in June, started in May 6th. So check out blueshare.io if uh, mining and uh, real actual mining, not just crypto mining, actual mining and uh, precious metals are of interest to you. My precious metals. When we were in New York City for Consensus, Travis Wright and I did a number of interviews. In fact, there was probably three different individuals that were filming crypto-related documentaries, all taking a different approach to the crypto space. And one of those individuals is a woman named Shannon Grinnell. She's a producer and host of the Speaking of Crypto podcast, and she is in the process of producing a documentary film called The New Internet. She's an award-winning filmmaker, TV producer, produced daily and weekly shows at Much Music, which for those of you that would be in Canada, A, you would know that's like their MTV. She's done on-camera work, behind-the-camera work, over-the-camera, under-the-camera, has worked with a lot of big names, and she's here with us now to talk all things crypto. Welcome to Bad Crypto, Shannon. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to chat with you guys today. Absolutely, because you only got to chat with me when we were in New York. Yeah, it was great, but uh, now I get both of you. Right. Well, I don't think you're going to talk to me that day because that was like day three of consensus, and I was, I was like this. <laughs> Lots of talking going on. Yeah, he was like, Joel, Joel you go do the interview, and uh, and I spoke on behalf of us, hopefully represented well. And uh, Shannon, why don't you go ahead and give us a little bit of your background, put some more meat on that introduction. Yeah, I guess um, I started off in music. I think you and I talked a little bit, Joel, about how you had a music sort of DJing background. Mm-hmm. And I started off initially in music. I worked at a couple of recording studios. I went to college for music. Um, so it was really cool when I ended up at Much Music, which was like years later. Um, but I went to film school as well. And once I graduated there, if you can believe it, I ended up at the Cannes Film Festival. Um, and I wasn't there showing it. Can believe that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh-huh. Not sorry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, worked on a lot of amazing student films with some incredible um, talents. And one of them is a, a current director who he directed The Colony with Bill Paxton and Lawrence Fishburne. And um, he was one of the students that I was working on his films back when we were at film school. So it's pretty cool to see how successful he is, you know, today. And from there, I went and worked on a few sort of films like freelancing and then sort of fell into TV. What I did was I had moved to Los Angeles and I decided I was going to get into screenplay writing. I thought I'm going to go live the American life and just sort of see what the world is like. I'm going to be a waitress and I'm going to like just see what, you know, America is all about. Coming from Toronto, that was a big deal. I was kind of like moving to the big city. Um, except I ended up in a small town. I ended up in this little beach community, Manhattan Beach, and was playing a lot of beach volleyball. I was playing competitively, but I fell into TV. There was a TV job that opened up and I just decided it was the right thing for me. 
Um, they asked me to do producing and on camera work as well. So I created my own segment uh, on fitness. It was called Fitness Bit, which is weird because now we have everyone has a Fitbit. And then from there, when I came back to Toronto, I ended up at Much Music, which was fantastic. And you guys probably know what the world of TV production is like. It's similar to, you know, podcasting, but it can be crazy and fun and exciting. And especially in a music station, it was pretty wild, especially with these big live productions. And so I worked there for a while. And uh, how did I end up in podcasting. I guess there's a lot more to the story. Um, but uh, I don't know where you want to go from here. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to talk about, though, real briefly, is that so you had worked on you did some film background stuff as well. And you did some documentaries with Olivia Newton-John. That was pretty cool. That was actually yeah, my so first I... album. You were talking about the fitness thing you were doing. <laughs> Let's get physical. I... That was my very first album that I ever bought with my own money. I had a huge crush oh, on Olivia awesome. Newton-John after Greece. I was like, oh, man, she is nice. Yeah, she was awesome back in those days. Uh... <laughs> Not really a question. More um... just a thought of like, oh, cool, Olivia Newton-John. Awesome. To this day, I think uh, women who are from Australia are so cool because they got that accent. You know, I'm like, oh, you're like Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> uh, I'm a big fan of the accents for mm. sure. It's amazing. Um, yeah, it was a documentary. And the documentary was on breast cancer and the environment and sort of connecting what environmental factors would lead to breast cancer. Because breast cancer, I think still to this day, is about one in eight women in North America um, will get breast cancer, which is a crazy statistic. So why is that? Um, they interviewed a lot of scientists like Congresswoman who was very active in that space. And so it was very educational for me. There's things that I still don't do to this day or that I do do because of that documentary. So I try to stay away from bananas that aren't organic. And it's so crazy. But I remember um, there's a woman who was, she was on Time Magazine and she was photographed on the cover of Time Magazine. She had been an um, artist and a model, but she was photographed after having had a mastectomy so you could see her bare breast basically but like scarred where there used to be you know flesh there and everything so um but anyway she had talked about how bananas have 300 chemicals in them and we just don't know right there's no label on a banana now, is that toxins or the- pesticides or is it natural yes or, or natural yes. i've seen chiquita oh. labels oh, uh, i saw chiquita stickers on bananas so that's a label <laughs> right true yeah mm-hmm. so what, what would you say so so just as, as an aside like what are the two to three things or maybe that that women should look out for on that because that is a very serious topic is there like a couple things like yeah don't eat these don't eat non-organic bananas and there's a couple other things that i'd read too that there's a there's a few things that that i that i had read um, like, what was it? Some of the, some of the toxins in like our, our drinks or like some of the stuff that's in milk or something that, that causes some things as well. What are some of the things that you, that you had discovered? Yeah. I'll say three things that, uh, that changed my life. And one of them was yeah, just bananas are trying to, you know, trying to eat more organic. Um, they, she mentioned bananas because they came from Latin America where they had different rules around what pesticides were still legal. Whereas in, you know, Canada and the U S we have stricter laws around that. So if we're importing something or grapes from Chile or that kind of thing, then there's probably more pesticides that are outlawed here. Um, so it's just 
you know, more dangerous to have those kinds of things. Um, another one, which is crazy, but it sort of makes sense is hair dryers. So I rarely dry my hair. So I dry my, I have my hair dried if I go to the hairdresser, but otherwise I just let it dry on its own. It's because it's, there's so much, um, I don't know if it's electromagnetic frequencies, but there's power, you know, wattage in that hair dryer. Um, and, when you sort of think that how many women blow dry their hair versus how many men, maybe does that have something to do with the higher instance of breast cancer in women? Um, and then the other one is electromagnetic frequencies, which are, you know, anything like a photocopier or just something with high energy and wattage. Um, if you're close to it, that can sort of play with the, uh, just the cells in your body. <laughs> it's very depressing. I don't know why, I wonder, why I wonder we're going down this phone, road. But... I wonder if cell phones are like that. <laughs> yeah, no, that is, that's very interesting stuff. Now, I know that there's a big conversation around 5G and how 5G is going to put this crazy electromagnetic rays around us, which is not healthy for us. And they're going to be putting those things up all over the place, which makes me want to go move to a farm. Yeah. Well, and speaking of farms, there's a lot of those like wind turbines that you'll see out in the country. They've got them in Southern California as well. And there's been problems with people who've lived close by to those because of, I don't know what's going on with the the frequency because of those things. But yeah, I think, you know, I take it with a grain of salt. I don't know how much you want to alter your life because of fear. And I think fear itself is something that you want to avoid. Um, people say like laughter is the best medicine. So, you know, maybe that's the thing that keeps us healthy or just a positive attitude or, you know. Listen to bad crypto every once in a while and chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. All right. So now in the world of filmmaking, you are working on this project called The New Internet. It's a documentary. Tell us a little bit about what uh, what you're filming here. Yeah, so I'm filming a documentary on crypto and the blockchain space. And I've called it the new internet because we're hearing lots of things about how the internet's changing. Andreas Antonopoulos calls it the internet of money. And Don Tapscott calls it the internet of value. Um, what I wanted to get across is that there is a new internet that's happening. And that's because of blockchain technology and what Bitcoin has created, essentially. Um, so you guys know, as, as you know, as much as I do around what's happening in this space, and it's really exciting. So I think one of the things that I'm most excited about is this value transfer. Um, so micropayments will be able to be processed online. And we're seeing things like with platforms like Steemit, if, you know, I write a blog post, I can be paid for that blog post by upvotes and other people sort of liking it or sharing it and, you know, appreciating it. And they can appreciate that and it turns into something actually monetary. And it might be just a small amount, um, but those things add up, especially with the amount of people and over time. Um, so the internet is changing and these things are happening more and more. So you can listen to a podcast and get paid for it. Um, you can be paid for creating a podcast. What are other things that you, you can do? Uh, you can watch advertising and be paid. Coinbase has an earn crypto uh, page, but that basically says um, each of their different cryptocurrencies that are supporting this will show videos. And then they ask you a little quiz at the end. And if you answer those correctly, then you're paid in 
whatever their crypto is. Um, so there's some pretty cool things that are happening. And with the documentary, I do want to talk to people who are in the space and doing incredible things and help to educate people on what Bitcoin is. Cause one of the hardest things really to explain, I don't know if you've tried to explain <laughs> to uh, try to explain, you know, to one person even. So who's brand new to crypto and where do you start? Right. It's, there isn't an easy answer. So, um, I thought it deserves sort of a longer work. And, um, and so that's where I'm going with it. And then the other piece is that I'll be going to New York. And my goal is to earn as much cryptocurrency as I spend during that time to show that we really can earn crypto on this new internet. Mm, that's fascinating. And what means are you using your crypto? Are you like connected to like a credit card or are you actually going and, you know, taking your, the Bitcoin and on Coinbase and getting the money out of your bank account? How exactly are you transacting? Are you going to stores that only accept Bitcoin? How are you doing that? Yeah, it's a really great question. I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> so if you have any ideas, ah. um, I'm not there yet. Local I Bitcoins, I guess, might be a thing. That, that, yeah. I've heard that works pretty well. I've never used it, though. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of converting. Um, so for instance, with Starbucks, I know that they accept cryptocurrency, but it does need to be converted to fiat currency. So probably won't be sort of true crypto to crypto at this stage. Um, but I think, you know, even in these early days, there are ways to, to pay with crypto and to earn it. So, um, yeah, I'm still sort of investigating that side of things, but I'm um, excited to see where it goes. And if it fails, like if I actually fail miserably, I think it still could be, you know, fun and interesting for people to see. You know what? Sometimes sometimes your greatest successes can come through failures, though. Oh, I totally believe so that. Like, yeah. Right? I love some of those quotes. It's like, you know what? Are you either, you know, you're winning or you're learning? Yeah, it's like, absolutely. It's, all, 100%. it's mindset in a lot of ways, right? I think so. Yeah. What are, I mean, are there things that you've really failed at that have, you know, propelled you forward? Mm -hmm. Well, it's, I think it's been like sometimes a door closes, but then another one opens up. And if that other door hadn't closed or that failure hadn't happened, then this whole fork of your life wouldn't have happened. You know, it's like, yeah. And when mm -hmm. we look back, I mean, it's so clear in hindsight, you think, oh, yeah, that had to have happened in order for me to go here. And things are so much better because of it. But it really sucked at the time. Yeah, every every success I have is built on failure. There's no question about it. Yeah, and, that's amazing. And that's, I'm good with that. And it's pretty it's to be expected. Yeah. But school teaches you failure so bad, though. You know, you go, oh, you failed. You got to be you're horrible. You have a failure like. And they don't realize, they don't teach that. It's actually part of life, so don't get too down about it, right? Yeah, I think educators are afraid sometimes because they think that if someone fails, that it really, it just keeps them down and they identify themselves as being a failure. But it it is the only way, I think, in order to sort of get beyond it. I don't know, I'm, I'm so used to asking questions, but is there a big failure that either of you guys have had that really helped you? Oh my, oh my gosh, there's too many to count. I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, in, in all the years of uh, doing business. In fact, one of my, one of my biggest failures uh, taught me one of my greatest lessons back about 10 years ago. I had built one of the earliest mobile marketing platforms. So it was like, uh, like a, uh, constant contact type, you know, MailChimp thing, but for text messaging. Mm -hmm. And I was focused on some other projects and I put a good six figures into building this platform. It was super cool, but didn't market it well because, again, I was distracted by other things and my heart wasn't really in it. And then I tried to sell the technology off to uh, you know another company and license it. Nothing was working. And eventually, I decided to pull the plug on it completely. And when you pull the plug on a text messaging platform, you lose 
the whole infrastructure. Like at that point, it became worthless. And I thought that when I pulled the plug on it, uh, I would feel this huge sense of failure. But instead, I felt like a burden was lifted off my shoulders. And that's when I realized that I stopped failing the moment I stopped paying for it. And so now I really make sure that the things I, I'm doing, I really want to invest myself in. And that if I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail fast. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Those are great lessons. Um, and you were paying for it because you just kept thinking about it and it was eating away at you, you mean? Well, no, as physically, you know, it was a platform that had right. fee, you know, service fees that were associated with it. So I was actually having to pay a fee. Yeah. Actually paying for it. Yeah. Turned out I was paying for it in multiple ways, but so right. what, what are your thoughts on what's happening right now in the crypto world as we, we timestamp this here, the end of May 2019? Yeah, I think one of the craziest things that is coming, and we don't know too much about it, but is this Facebook coin, um, the global coin. So I don't know how much you guys have looked into it, but you know, there's a lot of talk about what it may be because um, we don't really know yet, but um, I think it's going to change everything. Just the more I sort of talk to people about it, I've heard sort of different opinions, but um, I just think Facebook is too big to not have a huge impact. Um, and I guess it depends how they do it. But um, right now we're sort of hearing things about a stable coin. But I guess my thought is, you know, Facebook with 2.9 billion users or whatever it is, if you count up Instagram and Facebook Messenger and um, WhatsApp and all of those users... If they have, you know, if it, if it is a stable coin and there's some kind of airdrop where all of those users all of a sudden have a coin and a wallet, won't that mean that they're going to be entering the space? And mm -hmm. yep. that airdrop will be like a mic drop. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. I mean, it's going to change everything forever after, even if it piques the interest of, you know, 50% of those users. And all of a sudden, they're starting to learn about Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Well, that could that could happen seriously if they if they throw in the Steam functionality where if I upvote somebody and they earn money because I just upvoted their post and people start seeing transparency like Steam like I just made nineteen dollars and fifty seven cents on that post like awesome. if that starts happening mm -hmm. for people that is going to be that would be the thing that makes everybody go oh my god I can earn this crypto and turn it into dollars wow how else can I do that what else how else does this work. Yeah, that, that that could be huge. That would be incredible. I haven't even thought about them doing it that way. But yeah, I mean, there goes steam, but, but they could just take that idea and just run with it. Mm -hmm. um, well, I, I kind of think that it could be a double edged sword for them potentially, is that, you know, here's a very centralized company and the mantra of crypto is decentralized. And then it maybe might, it could end up being Facebook's demise potentially, as they migrate to decentralized platforms away from the centralized ones. That was one. That's a conversation Joel and I have been having. What do you think of that? Yeah. Um, do you think just because users would be upset with the idea that it was so centralized and they would, you know, decide to just get out of there and go to Bitcoin or something like that? What's well, potentially, or, or Facebook could be gr very greedy with it mm, and, right. and, you know, and sort of isolate how it gets used and it sort of becomes a, you know, like, wow, I don't know if that's, it doesn't really see, it's not in the spirit of crypto. It's kind of crypto, but it's not in the spirit of crypto. I, I think people might, you know, it's going to be a catalyst for them to learn more about the industry is what I kind of hope. And um, I think that Facebook could do it right. We just don't know yet. 
but I think that there is a chance they could they could uh, shoot themselves in the foot with it too. Yeah, it's a good point. If they're more like Uber, where they're getting richer and richer off of the users, so the users again are the product, mm-hmm. um, then people yeah, aren't going to. Always always will be where Facebook's concerned. If there's mm-hmm. any, if you, if there's any hope that you think that they're going to do something that is going to take from their bottom line, uh, i.e., paying users instead of them receiving it, you know, forget about it. It's not going to happen. They're not concerned about privacy. They're not concerned about their users. They're, you know, they're concerned about their profits, period. Yeah, absolutely. I think they have to do a lot of making up for, you know, what they did in the past. And, you know, Mark Zuckerberg saying that privacy is important now is not good enough because people don't believe him. So, you know, what is it going to be? Why are the users going to be interested in this coin at all? There has to be something in it for them. So I was wondering if it could be a bit like the the Binance coin, you know, the BNB coin that's used on the Binance exchange. There's that coin that's basically there for users to reduce their fees if they're making any kind of transactions. So the incentivization like around that is that users would want to use it because they have to pay less fees in order to use it. Um, or if there, somebody was talking about um, remittances and because Facebook now has all these messaging systems, um, will they use that as a payment network in order to just you know send remittances? and that coin can be used as the fee. Um, So if there's some kind of incentive for the user to benefit where the fees will be reduced, if they can use that um, global coin, the Facebook coin, then, you know, maybe it'll go somewhere. And if they get used to using this sort of payment network, even if it's for remittances, and Facebook is doing a lot of payments, I wonder if maybe they won't start bringing more products into Facebook. And if that's the case, could you imagine if they started bringing a whole bunch of products and could they become almost like an Amazon and just coming at it from the other way, you know, starting with their user base, starting with this payment network, and then actually bringing a store into the whole Thing. Well, I'm I'm hoping that we see decentralization, ha- you know, continue to move forward, and that there will be some seriously disruptive technologies that will stick it to Facebook because there really is too much centralized power, especially in the hands of one person. Right? You know, Zuckerberg is a majority shareholder, and he's on the board, and basically what he says goes and you know for somebody who is an unelected official to have so much centralized power in a platform that impacts such a a large amount of people there's just something wrong there yeah it could be really scary i've heard in the past that um the american government even has broken up monopolies and i forget which ones were were broken up but if a monopoly becomes too ginormous and, you know, really just has too much power and control, it starts to become pretty scary. Um, So you could see where maybe the government would intervene just because they have too much power. And, you know, with that many users, and now all of a sudden they have a currency potentially, uh, it does seem a bit scary. It's not like Bitcoin where it is, you know, distributed among many people, you know, for Facebook to have one currency and control of that in the hands of billions of users does, you know, does lead you down some roads to sort of question things. Think about this, too, is that Facebook, how much is Facebook worth now? Like its total value? You know, it's more than it's it's a couple hundred billion at least. I don't know the exact number right now. 
And think about this is that Bitcoin is like 150 billion or whatever it is. And you talk, you think about some of those other coins, like, I mean, depending on how they create this coin, this Bitcoin, uh, this, this Facebook coin could come out and be worth 20, 30, $50 billion, like pretty quick. Yeah. Will it topple everything else? just because of the amount of users and the fact that it is a currency. It's so hard to know where this is going. Yeah. And how many will there be? You know, it's like, how many, how many yeah. Facebook coins are they going to create? A hundred billion, a trillion, 21 trillion. I mean, that'll tell you like how much they're going to, how many, how it's going to be worth. That's, that's what's going to be really interesting is when Facebook, mm-hmm. global coin, whatever comes out, having a round table of people, we need to have you back on. We'll do a round table and discuss it all. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Mr. Yeah. Jokom? Have a Facebook global coin round table. <laughs> round table. We are the knights of the Facebook round table. Yes. Always. Good stuff. <laughs> hey, let's ask about this. So we, we Joel and I have been having conversations around this here recently about people who are, you know, Bitcoin maximalist or shitcoin maximalist or minimalist <laughs> or all of this different stuff. And and so, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on, you know, the altcoin universe? Uh, yeah, the altcoin universe is crazy. You know, there's a lot of people, uh, there's definitely a lot of scamming going on, no question. Um, But I also think, you know, on the flip side that while Bitcoin was the first, and I think it still is the best, um, should it be the only cryptocurrency out there? I don't know. I think that's, you know, a big question for everyone to kind of answer themselves. I was talking to Max Kaiser and he said, everybody who gets into the space eventually becomes a Bitcoin maximalist. And I thought, I understand where he's going. The more educated that I become with crypto and understanding, you know, why Bitcoin was created and and in the way that it was created, it makes a lot of sense. Um, You know, back only a few years ago, I didn't realize that our dollar or the US dollar wasn't associated with gold. There was no more a gold standard. Um, and so to recognize that our money is just sort of floating and can be printed at will, um, and you know, if that's the case, then the value has to go down. They don't so teach that stuff what- at school though. Yeah, you know, they don't teach it enough, right? Like I took economics, but it was optional. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I got the supply and demand and and that kind of thing. But people really need to understand that Bitcoin is changing everything. And they're trying to get back to this sound money, hard money, and it makes so much sense. Um, so, but is it the only thing that makes sense? From what I'm hearing about what can be built on top of Ethereum or um, what Monero is doing in the way of privacy, there is room for other blockchains, other cryptocurrencies, I think. What do you guys think? Well, absolutely. I think that, you know, Bitcoin is a strictly peer-to-peer payment system, has its uh, its strengths, but there's also a lot missing. I mean, there's no smart contracts, right? This is how uh, Ethereum came to the, the forefront. There's no easy deployment of other blockchains. There's no utility. And I think that uh, there are, you know, thousands of use cases that we can come up with. And, you know, it's kind of like way back when we had just, you know, the computer was invented and some genius said, we'll only need two of those, you know, in the world ever. Um, And now, of course, you know, there's billions and billions of computers and we carry them with us every day. I think that we have yet begun to crypto. Yeah, absolutely. Is there any kind of use case that you would want to see in the future? I want to see, you know, United States voting on blockchain. 
I want to, I want to, that's what I want to see most of all. I, I think that not only in America, but all over the world where you have verifiable, like, I know this is my Ethereum address and boom, I voted. Here's my bio ID. This is me. I vote for this candidate. And then I can go back 20 years from now and go look at my vote and see it on the blockchain. Whereas now, you know, it, it's just, it's just <laughs> so much fishy stuff like oh they found another box behind the alleyway oh and oh there's an airplane oh my god they found an airplane full of vote provisional votes like what, like are you serious are we stupid how about we put it on the blockchain so we can see it and we don't have to ver- it's like just trust us trust us we we have you know we're going to do this all legit it just bothers me i want to see voting on the blockchain and i want it yesterday Oh, yeah, I think I think that could be really cool. I think it could be a really cool use case. I think people are worried that their anonymity wouldn't be, you know, they couldn't make their vote private um, or not associated with themselves, but still be, you know, an individual identity. So, uh, but yeah, it sounds incredible. Like, it should be that way. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. <laughs> let it be so universe let it be so <laughs> all right we have more questions you have more answers so blockchain for impact at the un we uh actually we got invited to that mr joel Com, but nope. we can't go to that right oh man it sounds awesome un is doing a blockchain for impact uh event what's what's going on with that yeah so i am looking forward to going it's next week and um, i've talked to a couple of the women who were there last year and it seems like they're doing some pretty incredible things but what i think is incredible about the united nations is i mean i'm I, an idealist so i believe that they're probably doing incredible things um but really it's the sustainable development goals and you know there's 17 sustainable development goals and basically they're trying to say all of us as Global humans should be working towards, you know, ending poverty, reducing hunger, ending hunger, um, making sure that there's equality and fair work for all and climate change and clean oceans and, you know, all these different goals. Um, so what they're trying to do is see if blockchain can have an impact on some of these sustainable development goals. Um, so I'm looking forward to the event and we'll see what is being done right now and what still needs to be done. I feel like once I go there, um, that I'm going to walk away with a list of things that I want to do to help out. Um, so it's almost, you know, intimidating in that way where I feel like I'm going to have a lot of homework as soon as I leave there because I feel like I'm not doing enough just as a human for our planet. I don't know. I don't know if you guys ever have that. I don't know. I think, you know, the planet did pretty well before I was here. I, I think it's actually doing a lot better than uh, many would uh, lead you to believe. But yeah, there's problems that, that need to be addressed. No question about it. Yeah. So, I, you know, I don't know so much about what's happening, but I'm really looking forward to finding out. Excellent. Well, we uh, will tell people where to find you. Your podcast is Speaking of Crypto. The website is speakingofcrypto.com. And there's a link there to the new internet documentary that you're working on. And when do you anticipate the final film being released? My goal is early 2020. Excellent. Well, yeah. we will be watching for it. Uh, congratulations on the, the work in progress, Shannon Grinnell. And uh, thanks again for, for joining us today. So great chatting with you guys. Mr. Travis Wright, I'm sad that your voice was not up to par on the day that the documentary interview was done because I had to fly solo. And it was only okay. it was only half as handsome as it could have been. Right. 
Well, I'm sure it was less hilarious than it could have been because if if either you or I are by ourselves, we're more serious. But when we're both together, we get a little more clowny. We compound so, the hilarity exponentially. That's true. So I won't be on the new internet documentary, guys. That's okay. I'm but there's there's that. a couple others that we filmed for, right? And so right. I can't remember whose they were because uh, time is a curious thing. And, and I don't remember what I had for dinner last night. Oh, actually, I do. I had um, a prime rib, a French dip. That's what I had for dinner last night. How about that? I did remember. You did. I actually, I am working on a fast now. So I'm going to go uh, back last July. I was going to go over July and uh, do 31 days of fasting. And I lasted 12.5 days. So I am trying to go over June, see if I can do that, see how far I can go. Yeah, I've tr- not done a seven-day fast in a while. So la- yesterday, man. I went to Chipotle. I got myself an amazing Chipotle bowl with lots of guacamole. Then I went to the store and got myself some shrimp. And then I went home and grilled shrimp and added grilled shrimp to my to my Chipotle. By the way, so I, I know that you had shrimp yesterday. Yeah. Because you post you posted it on your story. No, I did. It was so good. It was like it's like if I'm gonna go 30 days without eating, my last meal is gonna be amazing. I was so full by the time I went to bed last night. I like how you warn me now, too, when you're about to fast, because on day two of fasting, you become a dick. <laughs> day two and three are the hardest because your body's trying to go through that glucogen, and it's like it's burning the rest of your sugar and the carbs that you have in your system, and then you start craving. Once you get past day three, it's like smooth sailing. Once you get past day three, you can just go on and on and on. But, man, day two and day three – those are hard. Those are not. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna have hard. to warn um, our guests because this week we are doing a bunch of content, and here's you know some of the ones that you could look forward to. We've got Rand Nooner that hosts a great crypto uh, TV show. We've got Eric Benz, the CEO of Changely.com, is going to be on the show. Uh, we've we've also got. Uh, We've got Paul Pui, the, the creator of the Edge Wallet, a really super cool wallet. He's going to be on the show and, uh, and many others. We're going to have a busy week creating content uh, that you guys are going to love. So make sure that you please do subscribe, follow, share, review this podcast. You enjoy what we're doing, then let us know. Otherwise, we don't know if you're enjoying it or not. You might hate it. I hope you don't hate it. Don't hate me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And And while you're at it, Go to speakingofcrypto.com. That is uh, Shannon Grinnell's uh, wonderful podcast. So if you like if you like chatting with her, hearing her, go check out her podcast, support that. And if you like our podcast, go leave a review. I mean, seriously, why would you do that? Yeah, please. Why are you going to be so unreviewing? Because when you do review, it proves to us that you do indeed know how to stay bad. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.